Have you ever watched an apocalyptic sci-fi movie and wondered, could any of this really happen? I'm Carrie Bechet, and on Hypothetical, we explore what-if questions two ways, through speculative science fiction and through insight from the world's most brilliant scientists. And spoiler alert, your favorite sci-fi movies aren't nearly as far-fetched as you may think. Time travel with me into our possible futures on Hypothetical. New episodes every Tuesday available on all podcast apps. That's Hypothetical, H-Y-P-E-R-T-H-E-T-I-C-A-L. Um, hi, guys. Welcome to Awkward Sex and City episode four. I'm here with one of my very good friends, Carly Ann Philbin. She has been on the road with me. She's done. She did the first Awkward Sex and City show ever, which was 2013. Carly Ann Philbin has two shows, Let Me Break You Up and Anti-Dating Game Show. And this doesn't mean I'm your boyfriend. Both at UCB. Both fucking hilarious. Go see them. So this episode, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, being on tour together and doing the show together, Awkward Sex and City, that is. And we also talk a lot about just stand-up and, like, what it's like to be a comedian and finding yourself and what your voice means and how much power you kind of have sometimes and what you need to be aware of uh, growing up publicly now in this uh, the age of the 2000s and, like, social media. I hope you guys enjoy. This guy's so good in bed, he eats me out all the time. Like, he can never go swimming again because he's eaten so much. Does that joke make sense? I have to explain it a lot on stage. You know, like, when you eat, you have to wait 30 minutes to go swimming. Whatever, I explain it on stage. See, it's funny. The room thinks it's funny. I feel great because I made everyone laugh. I look hot. Uh, yeah, you do always look hot. Thank you. Always you. Have, like, I always really look hot. Outfit. I just want you guys to know that I always, always look hot. You go to my dad's Facebook page. It, oh it looks like my Facebook page. He's just, <laughs> he just, yeah, he shares kid. everything. But I was like, you're sharing that. That's adorable. Yeah. So welcome, Carly and Philbin. Thanks for having me, Natalie. You are one of my first like comedy friends ever, or actually like one of my first friends in New York City. Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. I knew I I knew that it was one of your first comedy friends, but I didn't realize one of your first friends in the city. Yeah. 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 Now I think about it because I think my first friends were really from the pit. So that would have been like uh, you and a few other people, like a lot of people that end up on awkward sex. Yeah. So did you move to New York and immediately start Mm-mm. stuff at the pit? No, I was really nervous. So mm-hmm. I don't think I started for like a year. But that's still pretty new. Oh, yeah. That's Unless still you're very coming new. to New York like specifically to do comedy, which you were, right? Yes, so I maybe was. maybe it is kind of late. But I, <laughs> but I moved to New York and I didn't start doing comedy. I didn't even know really that I was going to ever do comedy until like four, uh, three years after I moved. Because you you went straight to Marymount, right? Like yeah, you went, you went to college. Here, yeah. uh, and you got a degree or you're, yeah, in directing, right? Yes. Degree in directing? Theater. Okay. Directing theater, yeah. Directing theater. And when you go to school for any kind of like theater thing they kind of just uh they don't let you believe that there is comedy they like won't really yeah oh my god i had no clue yeah they don't like to they don't like comedy in college i wonder why they want you to like study classic stuff which is bullshit because like there's four roles for women (laughs) in all of the (laughs) classical plays but yeah so i didn't really know i wanted to like really do kind of experimental theater, like basement theater. And then so I went to college for that. And I then like interned and worked off Broadway for a couple of years and then was Googling like free things to do in the city when my boyfriend was in town because I was in a long distance relationship, which by the way, what, what? doesn't work. 
<laughs> they never people, do. For most people. I did a long distance thing and it like it like burst into flames the one time I went to go visit him in the Midwest and like 24 hours later after like I came back to New York it was over. Like it was like oh, this yeah. can't be a thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I knew you when that was happening, right? I don't know, but I have heard this story. Yeah, that's one of the stories I haven't talked about yet on stage because I still haven't figured out how to make it funny even though it is fucking hilarious, but he is the only guy that has literally broken my heart. Whoa. And I don't know how to talk about it yet and make it funny yet. And it's been six years. And do you think you'll ever talk about it? I 100% think so. I've actually been like writing more about it um, to try to get out like the bad shit just so I could like start seeing like the funny in it. But you know what? Maybe it's not meant to be like told on stage with jokes. Maybe it's meant like as a different outlet maybe it's an essay or you know what I mean oh, I, yeah. like, I think like because I was like this for a very long time and still am it's like anything that ever happens to me in my life I have to filter it through this lens of stand-up and that's not true like I I am I'm now in my 30s <laughs> trying to <laughs> trying to figure out like wait what what like because right now I'm like I'll say anything on stage I'll do anything mm -hmm. but right now I'm like do is that the kind of person I want to be going forward mm -hmm. like okay Min, you know Mindy Kaling of course of course right? yeah, yeah so she wrote this thing in her book and about like when she was not famous versus when she was famous and she's like now that I'm famous I tip a little bit more I I like will buy nicer things try to like be presentable and she's like basically I wish I would have lived like a famous person when I wasn't famous mm -hmm. and I just that really has stuck with me so I'm like well if I was famous would I wear this would I say this would I do this like I, we think that these things go into the ether and never come back to haunt us and most of them do like 99% do but that 1% is gonna circle around back to you and you just have to make sure like you're prepared you yeah. know and then I think maybe that we've learned and grown from what whatever that was that we put out there that has come to haunt us too. Like that we've grown and evolved as a person and a comedian and like and someone that has a voice on a stage yeah. or a podcast, et cetera, et cetera. Totally. Well, well, something is kind of coming back to haunt me, which is I did tell this story for years on Awkward Sex when oh, we shit. were touring. I think I know what you're talking about. And I was definitely using this person's real name. And now this story is uh, a show a play if you will and i intend for it to grow and it currently has a run at ucb mm -hmm. yeah it's called this doesn't mean i'm your boyfriend and it first of all doing it was really hard when i had to change the name because i was like slipping it out of his name and blah 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 but now like because so many people knew the story at just as a story casually and so many people had seen me do it on stage with the real name it's like a mess now i'm yeah. like because people are like oh my god i know who you're talking about and i can't believe that was part of the story you never told me that and i'm just like fuck you know yeah so then i ended up having to reach out to this guy i didn't know what to do okay like i had no idea yeah. and the somebody at my theater was like i just didn't don't think wanted to get sued and was like we need to like figure out legally what you can and can't say about this person and what you can show and not. So I think I was being 100% legal, but just to be super clear to perform the show with a clear conscience, I did reach out to him mm -hmm. and I like told him that I was doing this as a show. What, was he okay with it? Did you say it was okay? <laughs> he was at first okay with it, but then circled back to me and was like, wait, what exactly do you say about me? I will say that I didn't tell him I told him the truth, but I excluded a lot. 
Like, uh, <laughs> I didn't like I don't think that he would be happy with how it made him look. Mm-hmm. But I will say I told the truth, you know, yeah. and not anything. Uh, there were so many details about the situation between him and I that needed to be told because they were essential to the story. And so not th- he was n- not necessarily a bad guy. Maybe he did some bad things. I really I mean, it's up to the audience to decide. But I did say like personal facts about him. Mm-hmm. I'll just say it. I, I, it was essential to the story that the audience knows that he's a virgin. He was a virgin at the time that this happened. And I'm sure he doesn't want that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and, I'm no. just try- and I try to think like, would I want someone to talk about me like this? And the answer is no, I wouldn't. But I do it to others. <laughs> I know. And you were talking about this earlier before we were recording. Like what? What are the steps? What are the boundaries when our stage personas and what our material is about is personal for us, but it's also personal for the other person involved? Like, I mean, I don't think anyone that I talk about besides Aaron, because he was like there. Who's your boyfriend. Who's my boyfriend. And I asked permission to write the story and use his name. Knows I have a story about them and that I use all their real names. And I have decided that like I am changing names. But some of them, like my first story, his name is so perfect for a joke that it's been impossible to figure out can you use uh, like okay so the guy that my show is about I think his name sounds very fratty uh like a frat boy a fuck boy Mm -hmm. so I was like what's another fuck boy name so I called him Luke that is you could have called him you could have called him Chad I could have, but I think that was a little bit too on the nose. And I feel like the audience would hate him right away. I was really trying to build the layers of this character. And it's also hacky at this point. I feel like everyone just calls like a frat boy Chad. And yeah, like a or Chad, Keith. a Becky. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or a Becky. Yeah. yeah. But I, um, I was dating this guy and this was like the first period in my life that this has ever happened that I'm like actively doing comedy all the time. And I'm dating the same person. So it was like, like I've been telling this story on stage that I I had a pregnancy scare where the condom got stuck in my cervix and he had to fish it out. And literally it took him like maybe 10 minutes to fish this condom out of my vagina. I looked at him and said, do you care if I do stand up about this? (laughs) And I was like, that's disgusting. We're like your legs like spread yes, apart. I was in, like, wait, like, think about what the birthing position is. That's oh where I was. God. I was like avoiding eye contact with him. And then I'm like, can he do stand up about this? But and he's been so cool. I mean, we're not together anymore, but he has been I did. I like he has given me so much material just because he was like a fun guy to date mm-hmm. and things happened and whatever. And um, still, he'll be in the audience. And I'm like, I know that he people know that we're dating Mm -hmm. and he even though I think he's great in bed he doesn't want to he doesn't want me to be like like I never say anything bad about him Mm -hmm. but I'll be like this guy's so good in bed he eats me out all the time like he can never go swimming again because he's eaten so much does that joke make sense I have to explain (laughs) it a lot on stage you know like when you eat you have to wait 30 minutes to go swimming whatever I explain on stage see it's funny the room thinks it's funny Um, or he'll cramp up and die but he feels uncomfortable knowing he doesn't want people in the like my friends being like oh my god that's him he eats her out like he's gonna Mm -hmm. eat her out tonight Mm -hmm. so it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing it's just just that he's like oh people know that this is about me well yeah and like I like especially when I was writing for Red Book and I was writing about mine and Aaron's relationship and then putting on Facebook and I am friends like with his family 
oh, and his yeah, that's friend weird. on Facebook. And I remember uh, his sister was telling us because his sister talked to their mom once a day. And there was like they brought up one of my articles. And like, I think her mom said something like, well, Red Book's just not the same anymore as it was for me. Meaning just like it's so like my articles are so graphic and so personal and so deep and intense and like personal. And then it like hit me. I was like, but also oh, Red shit. Book is totally different. They definitely rebranded. Oh, they definitely. They're trying to be the Cosmo of like twenty year olds now. Yeah, or well, Cosmos 30. for Come teens on. or thirty year olds. Yeah, Cosmos for twenty year olds. <laughs> <laughs> Seventeen is for teens. I when I wrote something for Red Book about, um, I did date a guy with a foot fetish. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I didn't feel bad about it. It's crazy, like what you feel bad about and what you don't. Like I'm like, oh, I feel bad that my the guy I'm dating is in the audience, and everyone's gonna know he's such he's such a good lover. <laughs> but I like don't want people to whatever. But I did write this guy. I I did, but I didn't. What back up? But I don't feel any <laughs> like embarrassment or shame about this guy that I dated who has a foot fetish. I really concealed his identity. Yeah, and, I think and he did. I, I read that reaction of a, Then my dad shared that. <laughs> I'm like, Dad, if you go to my dad's Facebook page, oh it God. it looks like my Facebook page. He's just, <laughs> he's just, he just yeah, he shares kid. everything. But I was like, you're sharing that. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I wonder if it's like, is it like genetic? Because we both are very open people about our lives, both mm-hmm. in person and on What stage. do you mean genetic? Like, like some people just don't like their personal life out there in any way, even if it's puts them, shines them in a good light. Like this guy like doesn't want people to know where we are full. Like, I think we both wear our mistakes in our sleeves. And I think that's such a strength. That's the only way I can understand my life is to like talk about it and have everyone. Uh, Me too. Absolutely. And so, and for me, at least like when I've thought about like, why did I start awkward sex? And like, why did I start such a personal, like, cause it started off as a blog, like such a personal blog where I knew people that knew me from like all different times in my life were going to be reading it and judging me. Like, why was it okay? And to me, it just meant like, it just felt so empowering to have a spot or like a stage where other people could relate and be like, oh, she's doing this. I'm not as weird anymore. I'm not afraid of this as much anymore. Yeah, I feel similarly. I have a show called Let Me Break You Up, an anti-dating game show. Mm -hmm. And dating has caused me so much pain. And I don't think I look, I think people might look at me and be like, you can get anyone you want. You are a very pretty, I, sexy I, I, lady. I'm very pretty. I, and you're sexy and, and you're charming. Uh-huh. I bet so many women are not to under uh, undercut me, but I, I it was very confusing for me for a very long time before I got into therapy, how I can have such self-esteem in almost every part of my life, but truly like rock bottom self-esteem when it comes to dating and mm-hmm. how I see so many women even and I'm not looks aside, just like shy women or or women who aren't out outgoing like me or maybe have lack a lot of personality for them to be like constantly dating. I'm like, how does this add up? But it does. I mean, it's two separate things. But anyway, I didn't date for a very long time um uh maybe seven years I went on maybe I mean I would say I went on no dates in seven years Mm -hmm. I had like a couple one night stands but for the most part wasn't having a lot of sex and was not dating and it was very painful not the absence of dating but like the thoughts going through my mind just the beliefs I held about myself keeping me from dating Mm -hmm. so this this game show I have is a fun game show, whatever. It's 
funny, but I feel like it really is very, it's very powerful for me. It's, I've worked out a lot of stuff through it, but I just feel like everyone can come and feel better about themselves. Like you said, I feel like dating is so like uh, being sad about dating is very cliche, but it's also so real. And it, it, it affects our like love, like love, power and money affects everything we do. Mm -hmm. Like it affects all our wants. So anyway, and how many outlets do we have to be like, oh, dating makes me sad. Yeah. Dating upsets me. We don't have many. We don't. I mean, we don't. I mean, we can we can like bitch about it at brunch, but still there's something cliche, uh, cliche uh, that something that feels cliche about that to me. But I I just needed to take the steam out of it. Like, I feel like my show, people who come on the show, they can like fight and it and it's funny but then it brings them closer together there mm-hmm. it is a bonding experience literally for them people in relationships can come to the show see them and be like we're just like them or we're not that bad people who are single and bitter can come to the show and be like well they're being laughed at they're the ones being laughed at not me like the single people win uh tonight and and then i feel great because i made everyone <laughs> laugh i look hot uh, yeah, you do always look hot. Thank you. Always you. Have, like, I always really look hot. Outfit. I just want you guys to know that I always, always look hot. So <laughs> it is really important to me. And I do feel like I just feel grateful to have this position and this outlet to make myself feel good and to make others yeah. feel good. I think that's the way a, a lot of people now in comedy um, really want to. I, I think it used to be more about making themselves feel good by doing comedy. But I think like especially a lot of my friends that people that do comedy the main goal is to make other people feel better Mm -hmm. and not to make like some void inside of me feel better. That's when therapy came in. Like when I realized like, Oh, that's not what this is for me. And that's why I feel like my, my creative endeavors are just so much more powerful and just more stable and mean more to me and other people just because now I don't feel like I'm using as a crutch for something else. It's It's literally, this literally what I do embarrassing myself on stage literally and I don't even feel like I'm embarrassing myself on stage but I think people watching it would be like oh my god I'm so embarrassed for her when I'm not like at all it just makes them feel better yeah I know I definitely can relate I feel like it's about intention um I I, like I feel like I do comedy because I have to like I really have to make sense of everything that's been going I'm like why do I have have all these crazy thoughts like I it, it just it it's like a math problem it's like I feel this I say it on stage equals understanding almost but um but I will say I have been on stage and I do I've 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 been in the audience when other people are, do this on stage so often that I try to not do it but I have been on stage and have done it it's like there's something about the stand-up comedian or just like anyone that's talking to people that have paid to be there or just are are there to see the person on stage it's like well then the person on stage can do anything they want and the people in the audience are like taken prisoner and I know that I've done that sometimes and I'm like it's not even jokes it's like oh fuck I just need to talk uh, I need to talk about this breakup with you guys and that is wrong and Mm -hmm. I have done it and I feel bad about doing it and it's been done to me so many times I'm like great great like I'm so happy you got like high and jumped out a window (laughs) but until you write jokes about it and make it a thing Mm -hmm. don't fucking tell me like go tell your friends and go tell your therapist Mm -hmm. like it's I know it's a fine line and we're all working out material 
but it just has happened so much. And I have also done it and I feel gross doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I'm like, I've I can't believe too. I spent five minutes on stage making these people hear about the fact that like I got a condom stuck inside of me. No jokes, no lesson, like no original perspective. I feel bad when I do that. And I feel mad when it's done to me and i'm i'm talking about this a lot because i recently did it because i did just break up with this guy i was dating are you talking about the open mic yes did i tell you about that anita texted me i was like i'm are learning a serious? lot <laughs> anita was like i anita was like i didn't know carly was dating someone i'm learning a lot about our breakup and then i was like oh shit i didn't know either and i was like oh, oh my God, i wonder that, if this is, so-and-so. See, this is exactly what i'm talking about so i broke okay so i texted i knew i was gonna break up with this guy and i couldn't like we couldn't get together so i texted him i'm like Hey, like, do you want to get together tonight or tomorrow? He's like, oh, I can't. I'm really busy, which is another reason. Whatever. I'm not going to go into the details of the breakup on this podcast. <laughs> but um, so then the next day, I'm like, hey, are you free tonight? And he's like, oh, I'm really not. And I and I'm like, okay, uh, can we like talk tomorrow? And he's like, what about? And I, I didn't respond. Okay. Ooh, yeah, that's always Instead, that's always a sign. I went to this open mic. <laughs> okay. I didn't respond. So th- I left this guy hanging. I didn't break up with him. Instead, I went to an open mic and told everyone like why I wanted to break up with him. No. And I said it on stage. I'm like, I know I'm holding you hostage and I feel horrible for doing this. But also like he did this. Isn't that weird? Like that's weird, right? Like I totally <laughs> just talked out my break, what I was going to say to him. <laughs> and I know this is like, it's funny. To- it's a funny story talking about it now, but it wasn't comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I understand. Yeah. It was an open mic, so it was a little bit bad. But I had another friend there, and uh, and you guys, I, I, this open mic was four minutes, and I was talking like I was like, okay, I know I only have a minute left, but listen to this, okay? So I did a comedy show, and he came, <laughs> and then he gave me notes afterwards. Isn't that crazy? Like, tell me that's crazy. Like, just to, it was not any kind of, it was nothing. I just needed to like get this you off my get it chest. Off your chest, yeah. But I should not have done it in a room of people that were expecting to hear jokes. Okay, but also in your defense, that was an open mic, and I think that's totally fair to do Mm-mm. something like that in open mic. No, I think that's why open mics get a bad rap. No, open mics get a bad rap for other things. Do- Sure, sure. Say rape jokes and racist jokes. Just FYI, but okay, here, but here. And I think that this is like, I think that this is a point against me. This was an all, this was a, not an all female, it was a non white straight man open mic. So it was like anyone identifying as inclusive. anything else. Yeah. But okay. that, those were the rules. Mm-hmm. So a lot of women, a lot of gay men. And I don't. I didn't want to give that mic a bad rap. It's like, oh, this is what happens. Women just go on stage and talk about their breakup. I'm like, oh, I felt so bad. I like got on stage. I'm like, what, what, what? And then you were saying that I need. Was she like Carly needs help? Like, no, she was just like, I didn't know she was in a relationship. Bobby told me oh, that you. Everyone's talking about this. Oh, no, Bobby God. told me that he thought you were hilarious that night. I was really funny, but it, but I was out of control. Do you know what I mean? Yes, like, I do it, know what you mean. That, Absolutely. That, like, I guess now I could make material about the fact that I did that. But I, I and I did have one minute of material, which was like, I it's been so long since I've been in love. And I really just want the feeling of being trapped in a relationship. <laughs> That's funny. OK, I'm like, I just want to come home after a long day of work and look into the eyes of my partner and have him say to me, where were you? Is this funny? You guys like this? So I did do like a minute of jokes, but then spent three minutes a talking. And this did not go over well, by the way. But I must say it now. I feel like if a woman makes fun of another woman, then other people are like, oh, 
she doesn't support women. And I think that's bullshit. Like I cannot like what an individual does and, and still support women. Anyway, it's like a big uh, topic on this season of the real Housewives of New York, which I have to catch up on. I'm only watching Southern charm right now, which is amazing. Um, Anyway, does that make sense? I I know it's like an open mic and we're all trying to figure it out, but I think it's like a personal barometer inside it. Like, I think it's a personal barometer. Like, do you know that you're actually trying to work out jokes and they're not hitting? Or did you like totally unprepare and you're like going to bullshit the crowd for five minutes? No, but what you're saying too about like, you can also, you can absolutely not like someone who is a woman. Mm-hmm. Like you absolutely can't. Some people just fucking suck. But also like, That's well, it. But, but we also don't have to like, um, uh, diss the, their, themselves as a person. Yeah. Some, I don't like a lot of people, but, um, you know, that's another joke I had about the breakup. Like, yeah, why would I ever break up with someone? Like, yeah, I don't like them, but I don't like anyone. See, I did, <laughs> I did a minute of solid joke. Turns okay. out the whole formula is actually a full set and you're just being know, hard on yourself like you always do. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, but I am very hot and I can acknowledge that now. But um, yeah, I just think that things these days it's like you're right or wrong you're for women or you or you're not and it's like everything is nuanced except when it comes to sexual harassment but that's another thing it's like then people will be like what about sexual harassment it's like well not and not every rule applies to everything it's like shut the fuck up everybody and just assume that most people are good and call them out when they're bad in a nice way that teaches them a lesson and don't do it on facebook that's happened to me twice and i had to call my therapist like a white privileged girl I'm coming to, I'm coming around. We're talking, oh guys, I'm at a different level right now. I'm coming around to like making my comedy more in the moment. And what I mean by that is for like, for a long time, I'm like, I need to say this sentence and this is like the set and I still need to work hard on the set. But I totally like ignored the fact that like, this is a living, breathing art form that's happening in the moment right now. So I did a set at a a pizza place last night. You guys, there's a 12-year-old girl in the first row with her dad. Yeah, I saw the Instagram stories. Yes. So I was like, oh, I have to change this right now. And I'm like, and at first I was like, fuck, because I'm in a weird place to stand up anyway right now. And I'm like, fuck, I only have this stuff that I feel good Mm -hmm. about. But I'm like, you know what? Of course you have to cater to the room. Of course you do. So I changed it all. I didn't change it all, but I'm like, fuck, what? Like from a year ago, two years ago, what do I have that's like not like blow job. And it was funny. And then I'm like, well, I ha- they have fucking four minutes left. I have, and the set that I am working on that I need to be- have it polished soon is about this pregnancy scare. So I'm like, dad, can I do it? <laughs> and the way I like bounced off the dad and even the girl who's like, I know where your cervix is. <laughs> I'm she like, probably knows more about the female anatomy than we do. Honestly. I know truly she does. But, and then she was like, Cause I was like, I don't know where my cervix is. Nobody does. And she's like, I do. I'm like, where, where is it? And she was like, it's like, right. Blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, why are you asking? And I was like, okay, sorry. I thought we were talking. I'm like, sorry. But anyway, in that moment, and it was like, it was honestly a beautiful comedic moment with like the way I was talking about this with a 12 year old girl. And I was like, why am I approaching comedy exclusively? I'm like, it has to be this. Like, I will say, like, I used to be like, I will say this to my dad. I will say this to my best friends at brunch. I will say this to 3,000 people. But maybe it's not. Maybe that's not my comedy. My comedy is much more of like, what is happening right now? Who are the people in this room right now? And I, I, for a long, long time, thought that that was bad. But now I'm like, maybe it's good that I can do that, that I'm adaptable. Anyway, I, you guys caught me in like really in the middle of this artistic journey. And I'm really uh, no, sorry about I that. I think that's okay. 
yeah. But I, I, I still, I, and I'm not, I wanted to say this. I understand that's not an excuse to like not work hard on your jokes and not work on your set. But I'm just never, I, my, the thing I thrive on is talking to people and knowing that I'll be able to like s- say something back to them. That's what I thrive on. Mm-hmm. I do have a question for you though, uh, even though we're running out of time, because this is just something I have dealt with with myself. But I think with the tour, with booking, like, because I booked some really cool places with us for us up front. Like, I was like, we're the best. We're blah, blah, blah. So we got some huge rooms yeah. being very young and, like, very, um, like you said, ignorant about, like, how these things work and how, like, our, how we as comedians work. And so I feel like, personally, I set myself up for failure. That I had, like, a good, I had an amazing year and a half and, like, this huge momentum. And all of a sudden, then I plateaued for two years which ended with like Ox X Fest, which to me is still like one of the worst days of my life. And I did not know as a person how to handle it. And I was like about to quit comedy because I was like, I'm not, I'm not cut for this. Turns out I don't believe that I'm here. It's two years later and I'm happy and thriving. But did you ever feel like that? Like that you in a way like set yourself up for failure without even realizing it? Like you went to like, cause I, I skipped so many steps. I was like, fuck this rigmarole. Yeah, but how- I'm going straight for these like big ass rooms. I don't, I don't necessarily have, personal feelings but I have feelings about you and what you just said and I don't think that you can you you what are you gonna do then think small what were you really gonna do like I'm not gonna go on tour it's like of course you have to like dream big and re- have these like far-reaching goals and nothing is like n- n- a, an upward trajectory is not promised to anyone well see I think that's really important to talk about that that that's not a real thing these like upward trajectories yeah so, like in obviously so I, in reality what I'm to say though is I don't think you did anything wrong you did nothing wrong yeah, you just no. have to. You just like what would be wrong if like you did things and you weren't a grateful for them and b you didn't learn from them, and 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 also not everything is a learning lesson. It's like we you know like, but you just I think shit just happens and you don't just have like, to okay. rewrite history. It's like I thought it was great that you like ever, like you you did something that I didn't know anyone was doing at the time, which was like trying to like book outside sh- like out of city shows by yourself with no help, and you have this storytelling show and you're booking stand up clubs and. I think that's awesome that, I mean, that, that I think it's awesome that you believed in yourself that much. And then, then, then you said maybe after that year and a half, things didn't go as well, but that's like how it is. Like people will book like a sitcom and then not work for three years. That's just how it is. Yeah. Like I had to learn what success meant to me and what failure ultimately meant to me in that point and how I dealt with it. But, and this is shit I've dealt with in therapy, but I just, in my mind, I was like, oh, and a lot of like the way that my personality worked back then, because that was what, 2014, I did in a lot of ways set myself up for failure without having like the proper channels to vent about what I needed to work on and deal with. Does that make sense? Like, I'm not trying to rewrite history and I'm not trying to say anything bad about myself. I'm happy with how everything has come. Yeah. And I'm, like now I guess in I retrospect, just, I guess I just don't believe in that phrase. Set yourself up for failure, because how do you know? Like, and and what's a failure? <laughs> like, and because it's different for everyone. And if something goes, if something like hurts you so bad, you go so low, then maybe that inspires you to better something. You get go into therapy. You're like, oh, I'm gonna like actually not do stand up. I'm gonna do sketch or whatever. Like, I, I, I don't know. I know I'm getting really hippy dippy, but I just don't believe in that. I also don't believe in like, I know this is unpopular opinion. 
I don't believe in like the fact that you can burn bridges. I hate when people say that. I'm like, that's such a metaphor that we're all buying into. It's like, okay, fine. You hated me and you thought I was annoying for asking to be on your show 7 million times. Then we got into a fight. And then five years later over cocktails, we're like, ha ha ha. Remember when we hated each other? Anyway, let's make a TV show. You know what I mean? Like, I just don't buy into this bullshit. Like you can't set yourself up for failure. You really can't. You just, you try to do the best you can whenever you can. And if you could also like do nothing and fail, you can always fail, you know, <laughs> like, and, and honestly, you probably will fail your, you probably will fail like 99% of the time. And it's just like, you have to just have fun failing. Anyway, that's my new book. Have fun failing. That should be your new book. But I don't think you set yourself up for failure. I really don't think that. Cause what, what are you going to, I also hate people that are like, I'm just going to like do this and maybe I'll do this. And I don't know, like, man, just maybe people think I'm rude. It's like, fuck that. Like, what do you want to do? Do that times 10. If nobody comes to your fucking show and you lose money, which is something I respect about you is that you always put your money where your mouth is. Oh, well, then we're, all, you know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to everybody is that we're all going to keep on living, you know, and I hate pussies. <laughs> When you risk a lot, you'll fail most of the time. And that's just what you know going into a big risk. Yeah. I do think I want this podcast to end with you screaming, I hate pussies, though. I hate pussies. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm a woman with a pussy, and I can say that. Uh, this was a great episode. This was exactly what I thought you and me would talk about. It was a great time. I hope you liked it. Please remember to like, subscribe. Remember morebanana.com, awkwardsexinthecity.com at Awkward Sex in the City on Twitter, Instagram. Carly, I'm totally blinking on what your Insta handles are right now. Sure. At Carly Ann has fun. That's it. Okay. I knew it wasn't Carly Ann Philbin at Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow her on Facebook. She is one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. Guys, thank you so much. And I will see you next episode. 